0: Hi everyone, it's Jamie here. I just wanted to mention a few quick things before the beginning of this episode. Firstly, just to say there are a few kind of technical issues going on in this episode uh, with some of the sound recording down to some interesting Wi-Fi connections. Uh, It's not terrible, but it's just worth noting and uh, apologising for that. Uh, Secondly, just to say we actually recorded this episode all the way back before Christmas, which seems a long time ago. So apologies for the delay in getting a new episode out to you. Um, I also wanted to mention that just because it might feel weird, given what's going on in the world right now, that we don't talk about some of that stuff in this episode, especially considering some of the kind of conversations we have, so I wanted to clear that up as well. Anyway, that is everything, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Solution Focus Possibilities Podcast. We want to help you have more productive conversations in whatever area of work, or life you find yourselves in. What better way to do that than to invite you into our own conversations as we discuss our solution-focused practice, our different experiences and findings. We hope you find this helpful, useful and inspiring. Welcome to our podcast.
1: welcome everybody for an- another podcast with sf possibilities so another special to one because we have a guest today we have fred with us uh, ben is here jamie is here and sadly biba is not able to make it today but she is mm-hmm. thinking about us and we're thinking about her so let's just dive straight into it welcome fred uh,
2: welcome. Fred. yeah thank you oh yeah
1: fred for those who maybe don't know you which I find hard to believe in the SF world if people don't know you and what's I don't know tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing and yeah what you love about SF and how sort of how you've come into it oh
2: yeah first two questions who am I and what I'm doing what am I doing that's actually that's my life at the moment those two questions who the hell am I and what the hell am I doing
1: we've got time we can we can help we can go through this right? okay
2: that's good But well, look so that's because um i'm currently on sabbatical leave from a job that i have at the university of the west of england as a senior lecturer in mental health so i've been doing that uh for about five years or so um and that work comes out of my professional identity i guess which is a, a, a clinical nurse specialist for children, young people, and families. So that's, that's kind of what I've been doing, part of what I've been doing out in the world since, I don't know, 1993. Uh, yeah. Mental health, nursing, children, young people, and families. Mission being keep them the hell out of adult psychiatry, basically, if I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's, that's that, that, that little piece. And solution-focused, uh well i'll tell you that story when i was when i was doing my training so that went from 1990 to 93 you know and it was floor to ceiling with the usual suspects you know melanie klein you know sigmund freud you know uh, vygotsky all the usual all the usual stuff eric erikson um yeah, the kind of cognitive theorists are kind of starting to barge their way into the conceptual conversation so in terms of thinking that's what that was about and then in terms of practice it was you know get on placements with other nurses and um observe observe so and so doing you know an assessment with this kind of can you believe they use the word patient just like you know, how does someone who's suffering what I, I don't, patient, they're not a patient, they're a human being who's suffering. But as we all know, there's this way of looking at human suffering called mental illness, mm. and that's what I was learning an awful lot about. Was, was there's this way of looking at when when people are suffering and um, that you know, if they're not careful, they could end up being labeled as mentally ill, and then there's a whole panoply of machinery that kicks in that involves piles and piles of chemicals and uh i call it a t-shirt that you can never take off with a word on it you know which either says psychosis or bipolar or you know a whole bunch of words and and stare at that t-shirt before they get interested in you as a person i was learning about when i was on this training um and in the midst of all of that um Kind of, you know, being like a, a spectator in other people's misery, really. Um, I met this met this fella, Ian Laurie, who was a community psychiatric nurse in Tynmouth, actually. And um, he was, he was, he dressed impeccably. He had that sparse smile in the face that all the other mentors lacked. They, they really looked like, frankly, they'd had enough of the job and they couldn't wait to retire. Um, and he looked like he was having a ball and I thought I'll hang out with him actually because I'm going to be doing this for a career (laughs) 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 burning out doesn't look like fun he gave me was not to do an assessment or read the the risk management policy or some other such boring thing to me right go out and find people who are really really good at, at what they do and and then be interested in in what it is about them that has you think they're really really good at what they do. What are they doing? He was find people who are having a good day, and uh, have a little look. And what is it about them as you look at them that lets you know they're having a good day? And I wait, what? That's mad. I'll do that. And um, and I come back, and of course I asked him like that what did you ask me to do that and he said well you see the thing is in our line of work people come to us with problems uh, you know people don't straight on the way to the garden center to let us know how great everything is you know they or they're sent you know the law sends them you've got to go and see that person or else you're in trouble mm-hmm. and uh, and he said that you know the way he saw it was that okay people come with a problem Um, however they tend to become collapsed with the problem so the problem stops being the problem the person starts being the problem and he wanted me to get clear of that crap straight away (laughs) it's like people are people Mm. over there and problems are problems over there and um, I've got the kind of brain I like to understand concepts and ideas and like how does that work then where do you get that from? There's a, there's a bunch of people over in, um, in, in the States, in the Milwaukee Family Therapy Centre. Um, you know, and you mentioned Sue Kimberg and Bill of Hanlon. Um, and they just hit upon this, this way of working with people. They were calling solution-focused brief therapy. And, um, and he said, actually, there's a bunch of people up in London and they're just setting out on the road and they're doing they're doing workshops. They're kind of bringing it over here, and they're calling themselves brief. Um, and that's that's where it all started all those years ago. I was, the the question just came to mind was
3: what was that thinking back like? What was your initial reaction? How was that different when you were going from? in you know, the sort of diagnosis, going out with another professional um, in that spectator sport of diagnosing and watching other people suffering, to then being asked to go out and look for people having you know, a good day. Yeah. When you think back to that, what what was your initial
2: reaction? What was that like? Okay, that really, really, really great question. Lovely, thank you. So um, underneath all of that process and those journeys, the course itself one of the foundations of the course of itself uh, itself was what Tom Keane, who was our tutor, called intentional conscious therapeutic use of self. And it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, really? You break it down, intention, intentional conscious therapeutic use of self. And so part of the the deal around being able to achieve that was the the skill of self-awareness. So it was the skill of being able for me to to notice what I was doing as close to doing it as possible. I mean, it usually starts off as six months later. Six months ago, I should have, you know, if I can do it a minute later, that's a result. If I can do it in the actual minute, wait, I need to shut and be rude to someone. I need to kind of backtrack a little bit. So we've had various people in teaching us various practices around being able to just notice. So that's that. And I noticed when when I was off doing the um, assessment, um, knowing what was wrong with people, knowing what to do about it, knowing what the drugs were, I noticed in myself a certain kind of, um, what, how can I describe it? A certain sort of, ah, yeah. Yes, ah, yes. I know what I'm doing, ah. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it was reassuring. Because bear in mind, I was doing a training and I didn't have a bloody clue what I was doing. <laughs> so the mission was to have a clue what I was doing. So that that feeling. So I noticed that piece. When I was asked to kind of go and notice people doing what they were doing and stuff, all of that, oh, yes, I know what I'm doing, wasn't there at all. <laughs> it, it was a totally different experience. So I was like, OK, this stuff over here is for familiar I know I'm here to learn a skill set and I'm here to learn to be a helpful presence in the world what kind of helpful presence in the world do I want to be okay there's this kind here which you know tells people what to do and tells them what's wrong with them and they end up with a diagnosis and a bag of drugs or something and they end up in a system which is a devil to get out of and I was already starting to be a bit suspicious of that I was starting to think do Mm. I really want to be part of that And then there was this other side, which was basically, I don't know. (laughs) And I liked it. I really Mm. liked it. Because for me, there's a thread in solution focus where that phrase, I don't know, is really important. That the the, the idea of not knowing was actually a real asset Mm. in that context, in that paradigm. The idea of not knowing in the other paradigm was a cause for worry, anxiety, Mm -hmm. start pretending you do know what you're doing really, really quickly (laughs) or ask someone or something. Does that answer the question there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank Uh, you. When, When you look back on that previous way of working, Fred, how do you view it now? Like, do you kind of, I don't know, I guess we've had previous conversations, um, between us as well about looking back in the way we worked before we were involved in solution focus and having regrets and having, I don't know, like, how do you view it when you look back?
2: When I look back, how do I view it when I look back? Again, a lovely question. I have had of, as you say, regret. Um, mm. Normal standard human procedure, you know, regret, it's, it's a thing um that said i have kind of never really found it massively fruitful mm. when i've gone down regret gone down the tunnel of regret if you like looking for cheese mm. there ain't no cheese basically There's just nothing there it's just like a blank wall it's like oh right i've got to pedal back and i might go back again just like wait i'll just check to see mm. no 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 cheese, no cheese. okay <laughs> so yeah yeah there has been regret yeah. and where i'm at now is um respect and compassion On on a couple of bases. So, you know, there are some people in the world who want to know what's wrong with me. Tell me what's wrong with me Mm. and tell me what to do. Well, you're allowed to be that kind of person. That's all right. That's a human. That's where you are at this point in your human life, wanting to know what's wrong with you. And who's going to do what about it? That's where you are. And over here, there's a whole Mm. bunch of people who do that there's a whole bunch of people who think how am i going to be useful in the world okay what i'm going to do is be an expert on what's wrong with people and how to fix that and um and i kind of have a lot of love and respect and compassion for that rather than i've been through the whole you're doing it wrong you're a bunch of idiots and no, 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 all that just like i, I Mm. I have to put my hands up to it it's like yeah there's no cheese at the end of the arrogance tunnel either really it's <laughs> like you know they're yeah. doing what they're doing for people who who want that you know and uh, but I'm also so it's about variety isn't it it's about variety and choices and options and there's a little caveat around yeah but don't coerce people into that Because we do have a mental health system that does have a very coercive element to it, including the law. You know, people can have their liberty removed from them, Mm. even though they've committed no crimes. So there is, I still hold myself in that, you know, okay, it's nice to be compassionate and respectful and all the rest of it. And Mm. that kind of way of working and that kind of paradigm has has a lot of power in it over people, which doesn't really get wielded skillfully or fairly all the time mm. shall we say mm-hmm. yeah. do you think there's enough choice for in terms of
3: choice for people you know if they're receiving some sort of intervention and thinking this isn't quite right for me is there enough choice in the system for people to
2: chop and change and find what's right for them i would this is my opinion okay this is my opinion yeah. i've not done anywhere near enough research to be able to say, yeah, I've got a paper here and there's some stats and there's some interviews and there's some microanalyses and all the trimmings, mm. I don't know. I would go on the basis of, I think our prevailing paradigm that, that we live in um, makes it so that, that there isn't actually more choice because we still have a paradigm that is struggling with the words mental health. Um, all everybody seems to be saying yay mental health is no stigma anymore it's all good famous people are saying they've had mental health problems we're done right let's move on now mm-hmm. and uh, I was actually at a—I was at someone's birthday party on Saturday and someone asked me you know what have you been doing and I said I've been doing some teaching and I've you been teaching and said, I've been teaching about mental health and this person was quick off the mark like wait what teaching about mental health like what What's that? How, what's that? And I just said, yeah, well spotted that the, the, there's something really problematic in the words mental and health. Just like it's been kind of health, human suffering, which is a phenomenon that goes all the way back through humans since humans were invented, basically, as a species. Well, actually, I don't know. I, I, I imagine oak trees suffer as well. I don't know what it's like to be an oak tree. I don't know. But just speak to us. <laughs> You know, human suffering is a thing, and um, in our particular paradigm, it feels to me like there's been a health medically kind of thing overlaid onto human suffering such Mm. that you then have these words mental health, which sit sit really neatly next to dental health and physical health and all the Mm. rest of it. So when they were asking me that question, how do you do that? I I thanked them for the question because it it loosened up my mind again. It's like, yeah, stay loose with this, Fred. Keep Mm -hmm. your assumptions really, really, really very loose so that people don't actually start going, oh, there's a thing called mental health. Is there? Yes, this is what it looks like. So what I'm getting at is, you know, with physical health, you've got, I don't know, you've got temperature, blood pressure, body mass index. You've got all, you know, blood levels of all sorts of things that, that you can use to go, okay, let's do some tests, blah, blah, blah. There's a bunch of numbers. Those mm. numbers equate to physical health. Bingo. We don't have that in, in, in mental health. We've got, we got nowhere near that. It's, it's, you know, what you have is someone having a really, really rubbish time, like really rubbish, or yeah. someone having a bad day. And not wanting to have a bad day and struggling against the bad day, which then makes the bad day an even bigger bad day. That's kind of all we got there. And then we have, bless them, the DSM-5 and the ICD-10, these diagnostic manuals and people who train, doctors who train to kind of use these things. Mm -hmm. And then not really, bless them, actually, the drug companies who go, we got this. (laughs) Want some chemicals? Mm
0: -hmm. Here they are. Do you find that the, the term mental health this is something I've been thinking about recently? That yeah. The term mental health is almost quite unhelpful because it, it, it's a bit of a conversation stopper. Whereas it doesn't really allow you to go anywhere with it. So, let, let's, you know, if you were having a conversation with a friend and you said, you know, how are you doing at the moment? And they said, you know, I'm anxious about something or I'm uh, I'm really scared about this or, or et cetera, et cetera, I'm feeling really sad or down. Yeah. That's quite an easy thing to be able to carry on that conversation yeah. but it's almost the blanket term mental health is almost like it just stops any investor investigating whereas yeah. physical health you would never say to, you know oh, how are you doing oh i'm struggling with my physical health today you'd say my leg hurts or i've got a stomach problem or yeah. my head hurts whatever um so i wonder whether the actual term mental health is almost cop-out is the wrong word but it's is an easy way to stop a conversation from going any further have you have you found that on my time? i
2: have indeed it's it's there there are two words i have really struggled with so on the program at the university you know there are there's a, there's a session on what the hell do we mean by mental health you get you get kind of oh you know emotional well-being move on no 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 no, no come back here come back here okay yeah yeah what do you mean by emotional well-being exactly it's those it's the kind of language that fixes things that turns a fluid phenomenon into something that is something. Yeah. And I, I'm learning to be kind of slightly wary of the word is. It just nails something down. There's then it then it isn't loads of other things, mm. basically. And yeah. mental health, I find a pair of words that, and it's not a criticism, it's just actually a phenomenon of the way the, the human brain works. It's up there rattling away billions of electrical impulses a second, desperately trying to help us navigate through the mess of reality without bumping into things and treading in dog poo, you know? So it's just like, it needs as many is as it can get get its hands on. So mental health, it gets served up with the words mental health and it just goes, oh yeah, I'll have those. That's great, bang, thank you. And then nobody questions it. It becomes part of the, you know, the, the linguist, it becomes part of the narrative. Brilliant questions.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking we've uh, we've shut out Greg for a long time now. <laughs> no, no, it's <laughs> right. Quietly it's right. sat in the corner. This,
1: this, is, well, this is how things go. You just have to get the ball rolling and then everything else just gets going. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm tempted to jump back to something you said earlier, Fred, because when I asked you those first questions, there was that sense of that's, that's your life right now. You're thinking about those things. And I know mm-hmm. I was telling the guys earlier, you know, you, there was a conference presentation you did at the the bath conference um around sf and and climate change and everything else and you, you kind of hinted and this is me reading in which i shouldn't do but there was a hint there of you're kind of looking at maybe what what next in terms of what you want to be doing so i don't know what what else is on your mind with with sf or or other things in terms of how else you've been using it or thinking about using the approach
2: Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for remembering that. That god, that was a journey and a half. (laughs) And that, what that I, you know, I have to name check John Sherry. So John Sherry is, um, is I call him Mister Solution Focused Ireland. Basically, he's written. He's Professor John Sherry. You know, I kind of, I kind of constantly rib him about being the professor, and he's, he's written tons and tons of books. He was part of there was the what they call the Something Solutions Group in Ireland with Melissa Dermody and a bunch of other folks. <clears throat> and um, John has developed and designed a whole range of resources for for, for facilitating groups of parents to think in a solution focused solution focused group work, basically. It's kind of John's thing and we've been working together for years around that I found it very very fruitful and fortunately parents do as well which has been fascinating really fascinating yeah and then practitioners now we train practitioners so there's a bit of a backstory around the, the conference and I wanted to bring John in because we were talking we talk a lot together about you know the climber and you know kind of chuckle together about all sorts of angles on it and you know we, where we arrive at is like we're in we're in the crap up to our earlobes, and nobody ever wants to say that. And then we kind of have a little chuckle about, yeah, what's the solution focused world going to do about that then? Because they never talk about the bloody problem. <laughs> so like that's never going to happen, is it? <laughs> and we chuckle and we chuckle and we chuckle. And I do I do some stuff for the Climate Psychology Alliance. Who's a kind of loop. No, they're tighter actually. They're kind of tighter. It's a tight kind of collection of mental health practitioners from various fields loads and loads of psychotherapists Um uh, a pile of clinical psychologists and I think I'm the only mental health nurse in the corner there just kind of muttering and mumbling and lobbing something every mm-hmm. now and again um but the point is that um they have a like an outreach facility so if people is people are, are really starting to to have concerns about climate collapse that's just impacting on them getting on with their day, like simple things like sleep, simple things like not being able to stop thinking about it. Well, and really physical sensations of not just anxiety, dread. Some people Mm. have come come with like the word dread in, in, in their piece, you know, worrying about their children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera there's a, like a directory and they can kind of look at the blurb and they can just approach any of us. And it's, um, I do it pro bono. I don't want money for doing that. So um, I've been having these and I've been using solution focused, just kind of like, right. Okay. How, how does this work in this context? Cause there is actually this problem and these people are experiencing this problem. Um, I'm not going to just duck and dive and dodge and not create any space for them to talk this problem by just, you know, what are your best hopes from this conversation? Well, your preferred future, <laughs> you know, and leave them walking out the room thinking, wait, what, I didn't tell him why I'm crapping my pants. I'm, this is unsatisfactory, mm. actually. Mm. Just mm. like, how does that space work? And John has a, has a process um, um, that he, he and his colleagues built around solution focus. And step one is joining. Um, and I think back in the day brief would have called it um, problem free talk or something, but there's that, you know, now Chris Iveson just goes straight in there. What are your best hopes for the conversation? It's like, well, can they just sit down first? please, Chris? <laughs> Let them settle in and give them a cup of tea. Um, so that, that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been playing with. And, and John and I, John and I had been talking about that and he's involved in stuff and we've been talking about let's put something together for parents um because ch- children my children have, have spoken very 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 openly and frankly about it and I've podcasted about and I've written about that elsewhere mm. so then the conference came up and uh, the headline banner was something about hope and uh, John was like should we just do a workshop and just tell them there isn't any <laughs> 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 and he's oh he's a bugger he is. I love John. And 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 I was like, yeah, right right, let's go there and tell him, let's go in there and tell him there isn't any. But my bit was like, you know, it's about let's kind of do some redefining around that that word, that word hope. Um so Gail Bradbrook, who's one of the people who founded Extinction Rebellion, she was asked about hope, and I'm paraphrasing what she said. She just said Oh, God, don't ask me about hope. I hope it doesn't happen to me. I hope I'm long dead before it gets really, really crap. Mm. She she pulls no punches and takes no prisoners. Uh, So it did really have me think about, okay, hopefulness, hopefulness. And there was a paper I read that in the references, there was an article that actually said why hope is dangerous when thinking about a climate crisis and i've never seen the words hope and dangerous put next to each other
0: mm.
2: so i re- what i really wanted to do was to start sprinkling some spice into a way of practicing that i love like really i love this i love this approach and i want to i want to know what it brings to the, this particularly messy party if you, mm. if, it's, if you want to call it a party Uh, If it's a party, it's really, really loud, hardcore techno, loads of special brew and really bad (laughs) (laughs) drugs. But there it is. It's happening. And uh, and that's so that's that that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment, Greg, around around solution focused is kind of kind of saying to people, hey, look, you know, the world seems to be unraveling royally here. Um, Mm -hmm. Are we going to engage with this or what? you know, the, the psychologists are and the psychotherapists are definitely, they call themselves the Climate Psychology Alliance and they're doing it from the paradigm that they do it from. Mm. Yeah, so, and I and I respect that. I read some of this stuff and sometimes my brain just shuts down. There's just too many long paragraphs and long words and for, there's loads of formulating and diagnosing and, and it's lovely. It's very beautiful. Um, but solution focus doesn't do that, does it? it just kind of goes, it goes straight to the heart of the matter, you know, and it's very questions based, you know, it's like lots and lots of questions, a few sentences, but a really bloody good reason for saying those sentences, (laughs) not just chucking sentences at people. It's like, okay, I'm going to say something and there's going to be a full stop at the end. Why isn't there a question mark? Why is it going to be a full stop here? I wanted to bring that discipline to conversations about the climate crisis
3: mm-hmm.
2: so that's kind of where i'm at in 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 relation to this this arena of my work yeah, yeah.
0: is that because sorry greg is that is that part of that because you feel like the way that it's currently being talked about is not sufficient or because it seems to be something that's very much in the aware people's awareness like um it's talked about a lot it's just feel like it's not doing its job though still in actually creating it's, change
2: uh, yeah it's um it's interesting because you know you would your from your perspective you see it being talked about a lot from my perspective i see it being talked about not very much and either way when i do see it being talked about i do seeing it being talked about in in not a particularly necessarily productive way in like oh, what's the phrase i would use i don't know in the everyday mainstream narrative basically it's it's um i mean the pandemic's being talked about it's like there's no not talking about the pandemic as it bloody happened the problem with climate collapse is like it's not like an event that has happened that you can kind of go oh look there it is that place there new york i mean they they had a thing happen it's like look but we're very much like poor New York. There was loads of flooding, and the yeah. dots haven't been joined. I don't know if my experience is anything to go by. It's because it's very, very, very. I found it a very, very challenging conversation to engage with on on the level on on the level of emotion, which is why I've asked Eve Lipchick that's that's the person I was thinking of. She yeah. was in the original team, and um, you know, beyond technique, she speaks very much. To the world of emotionality and a lot of critiques of solution focused have been around well you know set by a bunch of blokes behaving like a bunch of blokes being all up here thinky thinky you know what about feelings what about emotion you know and what's wrong with actually people talking about what's troubling them and what they're suffering with and what 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 you know what's painful for them so i think and i think I read, I, read, I read the website, uh, Greg, I had a kind of little look and there was the vibe I got was like the next generation, Star Trek. Something <laughs> 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 thing about the next generation of solution focused conversations, you know, where does it go into the future? How does it make itself relevant to the times that we live in? Because it brings something very, very powerful mm-hmm. to the party. Um, Just from my experience of having conversations with people that have come through the Climate Psychology Alliance door, they've had conversations that they weren't really expecting to have. You know, coping questions. They've had the space to talk about their sleeplessness and their relentless Googling and their frantic being activists and feeling burnt out and a complete mess and just being able to say, like, God you're, god you're really committed to this amazing you're really committed to this so what keeps you going there you are that mm. question there they're not expecting that oh what keeps me going well you know because the assumption behind that is you've been keeping going so much that you're here in front of me right? and then something of a best hopes question you know like okay you know you said something about you're experiencing hope going down the toilet there so i'm kind of really curious like what where did you find enough hope and what sort of hope to think it was worthwhile having a zoom meeting with me like where's that hope there where did that come from oh oh i have got hope uh uh yes (laughs) so it's kind of but it's with a little it, it it's with a a lot of delicacy and a lot of yeah. listening, listening, listening and being with someone who's just in a really bad place. That's 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 something that I I, I get really energized by. I get really kind of inspired by that. So that's what is it? It's about taking that word hope and just revisiting it because it is a word that kind of gets thrown around, isn't it? it's kind of like, you know, someone gets someone, I don't know, someone goes to the doctor with symptoms. um, They go for tests, you know, because it's around cancer and half the world and their uncle go. Now you'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fit as a fiddle. Do they need to be hearing that? Probably not. Probably Hmm. not. It's the, the ability to be with someone where they're at, agenda free, not needing them to be, you know, or if I am needing it, just noticing it. I'm putting it to one side and listening to the language there what's their concern what's their concern what's their language how can i take which words do i need to take to build the question that's going to be the useful question to ask in the moment that we've got right now oh that's exciting for me I'm, I'm geeky i guess i don't know maybe i need to get out more.
3: <laughs>
1: no no <clears throat> i think that's absolutely brilliant fred and i think that's something that is Is such a challenge for people, especially when they're learning the approach, isn't it? To go from here, here are the questions here, you know, here is the head stuff. And then wait, what this, they're not, they're not answering the questions, just like in that list and that transcript that, that I read in that book. Like, how do I, how do I do that? Now, how do I switch my head to actually listening and being with people and being, you know, being a human being with them while still asking my questions and, and maintaining that, that stance that we have. Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, beautiful words, beautiful words, Greg. Being a human being with them for me comes totally first. Mm. That totally, so that then means I need to attend to my end of the loop. Mm. Yeah, they're, they're, they're busy being a human being. I can't, that's them. But I can do loads of stuff over here. I can cultivate things in myself. So the kind of be, human being I'm being, is more likely to be able to bend and roll and kind of, you know, that thing, hang on a minute, you know, uh, stop, 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 you didn't answer the question, wait, oh shit, that wasn't, uh, what question do I ask now? And then it's all about me and my bloody questions.
3: is like i uh, just that that that's almost like full circle back to you talking earlier about the the importance of the i don't know yeah. and being really comfortable with that um as you say rolling with it um yeah and hearing you just talk about the approach and how you're using it there um reminds me and i can't remember who said this but someone described solution focused as uh, rogers with a twist that idea of like, you know, listening really carefully, but then yeah. this bit of a twist about what we're asking about. That's that just reminded me of that what yes, you talking nice about. Rogers, it.
2: Rogers with a yeah. twist. You know, can I speak to what you were saying about uncertainty? Yeah. Um, my hunch around solution focused being able to bring something very potent to this party is, you know, as that as that pandemic did its thing um it held up the placard with a word learn how to be with uncertainty written on it mm. um and I was in a I was in a re- retreat uh back along a few years oh, lovely lovely collection of people and someone said there they said this great thing you know that the 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 brain the mind is so unable to tolerate and be with uncertainty it will make up a traumatic certainty Mm. just in order to have a certainty Mm. that's it basically because there were people in the room just kind of announcing oh yeah the human beings are going to be extinct in five years time and i'm like wait what Mm. what are you talking about we need to prepare just like i can't even prepare to go on holidays (laughs) (laughs) and they seem so certain you know So and it is uncertain, isn't it? I mean, we're all living in the pandemic and hands up, anybody who knows how it works. I haven't met a single person who's gone. I got it nailed. I know how this works. There's a million one tales of someone in the family got the virus and nobody else in the family got the virus. Somebody had the virus and they didn't know they had the virus. You know, somebody sat in a van with someone for six hours who was diagnosed with the virus and the somebody sitting next to them didn't get the virus. Some people got the virus, they didn't even know they had the bloody thing. Some Mm -hmm. people got the virus and died horribly. Just like it's so full of uncertainty. And what I make of that is, well, isn't that life? Isn't that actually the journey of life? We get born here and that's a fact. And at the end we die, that's also a fact not a very pleasant one. It's the one that that, um, our paradigm loves to avoid royally. Don't talk about that. It's a party stopper. Don't ever go there. Don't go there. Don't talk about that. It's really depressing. It's really depressing. It's like, no, you don't understand. There are cultures who put that fact front and centre of the journey between the two. And they're very, one of my interests is anthropology. I love, you know, I love studying different ways of being a human being. There must be a different way of being a human being than this. (laughs) Seriously, Cabot Circus, shopping, you know, Twitter, like what? (laughs) All, and there are. The good news is there's loads of different ways of being a human being. So that uh, that uncertainty Mm. and um, solution focused brings uncertainty, not knowing. Yeah. I can remember from my training the capacity not to know and to be comfortable with not knowing was a massive asset to the skilled solution focused practitioner mm-hmm. and then another piece that sits next to that then is being able to be present in the moment that i'm in with the person that i'm in that moment with while my brain does its job like yeah but what about this yeah but what about that? Oh, I know what's wrong with them oh God that's something to do with their mother when they were nine and oh no, what am I what question am I going to ask next now it's like oh I'm not doing a good job I oh, didn't smile they didn't smile and you know all of that all of that being able to have some kind of practice where I can notice it happening yeah and not let it jump in the driver's seat and ruin the whole experience for the other person that I'm actually yeah. genuinely genuinely present, mm-hmm. genuinely uncertain with them in their uncertainty and then we see what emerges because there's always something that can emerge this I believe I just don't know what it is Mm -hmm. and isn't that lovely and for me that's something to do with a redefinition of hope there yeah something will emerge I don't know what it is ain't that beautiful
3: yeah it, it reminds me as well of um the, one of those solution-focused assumptions that, that change is constant and, oh, and therefore yeah. possible. And, and you spoke earlier about you know life being fluid and maybe maybe part of the reason some of the diagnosis stuff appeals to us is because we want to be able to define things and make sense of it. In box but actually, um, yeah, solution focus is very different to that with that um, you know, underpinning idea of change is constant, change is inevitable.
2: Yeah. Therefore possible yes. yeah that's um it's a, yeah yeah, you're dead right there Ben. it was a, it was a tale when I did my diploma that um, I don't know who told the tale it was, it was guy and um, Chris and Harvey were working and um, Evan was being the tutor. One of them just said that they told the tale of Insoo being from her culture around these guys from the culture that we share being really interested about how, about how they were thinking that change needed to be facilitated and change need to be managed and all this kind of stuff. And she said, you know where I come from? Change needs to be noticed and get out of the way as soon as you can. It's just inevitable and it's constant. And um, our paradigm that we've been born into isn't really fit for that particular kind of purpose. And there's a lot of thinkers, a lot of historians who kind of theorized about that is, you know, agriculture in the Industrial Revolution kind of rely on a, a kind of predictability. You know, I know that that seed takes that long to germinate and then that will happen and then that will happen and then that will happen. That will happen. Bish, bosh, bash, bash, fish. Whereas people who do who do being human in ways that isn't agriculturalized and civilized um, in that kind of a way just live very, very, very close to their own ecosystem and they move around and they, you know, the guy, uh, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Parry, I think he did a series called Tribe where he took himself off. What a legend. I love it. The stuff that he would eat, the stuff that he would stick in his ears and Mm. various orifices, just like, God, no.
0: Yeah, that's what stands out to me. I remember that particular episode. (laughs) yeah
2: <laughs> oh, the learning's really rich isn't it there was Incredible, all these yeah. all these human beings it's like oh god they're, a they're humans and they're doing being humans like that it's nothing like we're doing mm. let's watch and see how that all works oh that's interesting it's much more fluid they they do know that changes are changes and they watch out for them and they just they just do that basically and um, you know, I don't want to romanticise or anything like that. I'm just saying, there it is. Isn't it interesting? And maybe there's something from that perspective that could be really useful in our in our solution focus practice, as you said, Ben, because change is always happening. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Our last um, our last guest on the podcast was was Jenny uh, Macurgo, and um, yeah. there was a just yeah got me thinking because for years I've been used to using this phrase um, that solution focused is a a conversational tool for generating positive change it's just a phrase i picked up from somewhere and have been um, rehashing Um, and I just noticed when we were talking to her that she didn't she didn't use the idea of generating change she used her term was adapting so she said solution focused is for you know a, a tool for helping people to adapt to change or adapting nice. to change. Nice. Um, yeah, and that sparked some interesting conversation and thoughts for me about, is it
2: more about adapting to change yeah. rather than generating change? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's lovely. That So kind of slotting into the question that Greg asked around, you know, what am I interested in? What are my concerns? Mm-hmm. About, adaptation is a key part of that project there mm-hmm. is... Is supporting people in, in finding out how they can how they can adapt. Yeah. Nice word. Well, we're hmm. going to do
0: some changes to the website now, Ben. Thanks for yeah, that. Yeah, we will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's
3: why these podcasts are so good. We're always learning from each other, aren't
1: we? It's great. Yeah. It, I don't know, as you guys were saying, it kind of made it took me back to those earlier solution focused conversations, Fred, where I, I probably was one of those people who always thinking. Oh, what what question am I going to ask next? I need to, I need to come up with something like, what, what is this going to be? And, and I, it, it stopped me from actually hearing so much more. And, mm-hmm. you know, thankfully some of those recessions, I was able to record them and actually watch them back and think, mm-hmm. I missed all of this. Like there was so much more. <laughs> if I would have just been listening to that, I could have just asked one simple question about what just came next after my brain stopped working. Cause I was like, Okay, when's it my turn to talk? Because I need to ask this question next. <laughs> and it's just it totally doesn't work. And I think when people say, Well, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do with me when we talk? I've got I've got one question I'm gonna start with, and then we'll just we'll see what happens from there. Like that's that's as far as I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> it's like a podcast episode, oh, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, it
2: is it is that 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 tale that you told, Greg, there having heard it so many times and having been there myself i i wonder whether it's just part of like the developmental trajectory of getting fluent with the approach mm. and it because it's mm. the human you know we bring what we bring don't we we bring we bring mm. this kind of however many kilos of mush in our skull here that's on its mission to well it's fundamentally it's on its mission to stop us from being someone's lunch I guess <laughs> so it's mighty busy up there it wants to stop us from being someone's lunch and bumping into things and not make enemies and all that kind of stuff so thank you brain so that's that um so we come in and then it's kind of you know just kind of taming that a little bit just kind of like okay my brain's giving me all this badgering me about this which is nothing to do with anything because I'm not actually paying attention to the person here And then gradually, gradually, that penny slowly starts to drop. And it's like, okay, I actually just need to pay attention and shut up and listen. (laughs) And then know that a question will come. And if it's not a useful question, they'll let me know. Mm -hmm. And neither of us will die from the experience. Mm. And in fact, I mean, working, you know, working in health services and 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 social care and schools with young people and families and teachers and staff they really seemed to like it when i asked a not very useful question and just went oh you know what i rushed it there i was just like i was so desperate to help i asked a really useless question (laughs) (laughs) can i have a can i have a couple of seconds i don't know that it's you know that thing about the therapeutic alliance I think there's something about that stuff that kind of needs to happen that it's okay to happen because we' stop yeah. being this kind of like and now I'm an expert in solution focused question asking. It's like no you're not an expert in anything. <laughs> just stop mm.
1: no absolutely and I think it it does put people i don't know I would say put puts people at ease, but I think it makes it so much more collaborative when I'm able to sit there and say, you know at the start of a Call or discussion with somebody, you know, sometimes my brain does this thing where I think I've got a great question, but it doesn't always come out of my mouth that way. So (laughs) tell me if this is absolutely terrible. And then they're just like, yeah, no, that's fine. Go for it. Ask, like, ask your question. And it's like, okay. And they all, like, people are always so polite. Like, they'll either tell me, I, Greg, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Or they're like, oh, well, actually, that makes me think about this. And, you know, you can always, you just carry on the conversation, then don't you? But it, it's so different from, yeah. no, I, I, I do have all of these excellent questions and they are the, the perfect ones for you. And, you know, it's a complete change, I think, in terms of how you deliver that when you're yeah. working with.
2: I see that as a good sign in and of itself. Yeah. But they don't kind of go, okay, i have got to ask this question. I'm going to answer this question because he asked the question and I've got my own on the clock. You know, how long am I going to be in this? Oh, another 20 minutes. Okay, well, let's just I can get on with the rest of my life. That's a sign of real engagement mm. when people are saying, I don't know, what are you talking about? I want mm. to talk about that. It's like, good, they're still here talking. We'll just keep doing that then.
1: So I'm thinking, oh. Fred, well, let me just check with these guys. Ben, do you have another question?
3: No, that's, that's all right. I've, uh, yeah. Are you oh, sure? plenty. Yeah, it's been great.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: I could go on for hours, but I won't.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I'm an yeah. inveterate rambler.
1: Yeah. So Fred, you've mentioned a, a couple of times, I think um, I don't know if it's been on the recording, but about your own podcast. So what's really? what's the podcast that you do and how do people access that if they want to hear oh, okay. more of, of okay. your thoughts?
2: Uh it's um it's getting closer to the actually getting on and doing it phase now. <laughs> okay. So uh, I don't know how it's been for you guys on your journey, but um, I'm a I'm I'm international gold Olympic gold medal procrastinator, <laughs> and I'll use I'll use whatever there is to not get done the thing that I find scary to get done. Mm. Uh, that's all it is. Um, so it's going to be called Ramble On with Fred. Nice, yes. great name. Um, it's going to be it's going to be that really. It's going to be like like a a ramble with sometimes I'll ramble on my own um, and I'll ramble about stuff that's kind of going on for me and what I think about it at the time in the spirit of people going, Oh God, I thought it was just me. Mm. (laughs) He is actually mad. And so am I, (laughs) that kind of thing. Some kind of solidarity with people just because I see a whole lot of people hanging on by the skin of their teeth. And if I just give a slight lean, there's a sigh and people go, oh, right, that's a thing. Oh, yeah, 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 that's a thing. So, and then there'll be guests. I've got a kind of variety of guests. I've, got, I've, kind of re- I've come to know that I know some really interesting people that aren't Tony Robbins or someone you know you, you've got these things that come through on Facebook you know unleash your you know get as many clients as you can and then you get these <laughs> photographs of people with kind of jewelry and makeup and everything and it's like you don't look like that when you're when you're hungover that's <laughs> like, how many pounds no I'm not spending that I'm not spending that yeah These are bona fide a human and yeah you know, they're big people that have helped me on my own life's journey and people that I've kind of I've come across um and um it's going to literally this is my task for the day is crafting the introductory session um and it's but the guy where it where it came from it started four years ago where at the end of a teaching session one of my students asked a question about the content so while i was packing away we were kind of chatting away and then it got to the packing away being finished and us sitting down and then i was like i've got a family i've got food dog everything and Rosie said, "Oh God, you do a good ramble. You should do a podcast and call it Ramble On." So yeah. that was that. Then um, during the pandemic, I uh, my eldest daughter told me about voice notes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep.
2: So because I just got really fed up with just my life being stolen by looking at the screen instead of the world around me. Mm. You know, my eldest daughter said, "Look, you can be present to the world around you. Look at things and stuff, and just have it there and talk." So I thought I'd give that a go. So I, I was sending voice notes and um, I just had some really humbling responses to my voice notes, just like, you know, I'd be relentlessly apologetic about stealing half an hour of people's lives by talking <laughs> crap. And people would be just kind of like, no, 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 no. That was great. I was doing the dishes. There was so many little gems. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. But tell me to shut up if I need to shut up. There was no telling to shut up. So there was that piece. And then someone asked me to be a guest on a pod podcast show which was weird <laughs> just like one of my students who'd been promoted got in touch to say you know thank you and i got this mate and Adam Williams does his podcast and um, we did the podcast and he got very excited man you need a podcast of your own and I was like oh god there's a theme here I'm really 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 so I'm now now kind of surrendering to all of that it's just kind of thinking okay Okay, so it's called Ramble On, where they will be able to access it from, I guess, is the usual outlets, isn't it? It's this kind of Spotify and Apple. I'm trying to navigate that Mm. and Mm. uh, resurrecting my website, www.barefootparent.com. I set that up a couple of years ago, and like you do with websites, just walk away and like you go back to it. (laughs) it, It's the garden overgrown with weeds and just like, uh, uh," I'm going to keep that. I'm going to keep the domain name. You know, and there's a lovely little picture that goes with it, and there is some nice content on there for parents. Um, and then there's some blogging to be done, and I've written. In fact, I wrote a blog for the Solution Focus Collective um, around Solution Focus and the climate and the climate crisis. And someone asked me to write write for the Journal of Coaching around coaching and the Solution Focus crisis, and that's going to be published. And Lord help me, now they've asked me to write a book chapter. So it's like, you know, just okay, 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 okay. okay.
1: <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. So more opportunities as yes, ever. So right? l- yes, always... exactly.
2: Loads of opportunities. And if anybody has found, you know, a sentence in here, you Know or an idea, and then that's had them go, Oh, god, that's really helpful. Then you know, kind of look out for those places, and there'll be bits of it, but there'll be loads of rambling you'll have to wade through to get to that bit.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all all the fun in the journey, right? I think so,
2: absolutely.
3: Yeah, yeah. Thank you you guys. Just a
2: lovely, lovely way to start my Monday. Thank you. Have a great (laughs) week. No worries, you you too. too. Take care. Thank Thank you. Bye now.
0: once again thanks for listening to another episode of our podcast as always we would love to hear from you so if you've got any comments or any questions or any topics you'd like us to talk about then feel free to get in touch you can do that in lots of different ways by searching for us on social media or if you'd like to go to a website you can find us at www.sfpossibilities.com